0: Well, we are in the New Testament book of James. We started a few weeks ago. We've gone through three chapters. We pick a chapter a week and pick a section of scripture. Last week, we sensed God taking us a different route. So I preached uh, last week. All these are on YouTube, by the way, or our podcast. And this week, we are jumping back in to James 4. Because I missed James, guys. I missed him. Like I did. And let me just tell you if it's new. James is a straight shooter. He doesn't sugarcoat. He says it how it is. He's addressing a bunch of Jewish believers, right? He's addressing a bunch of Jewish believers uh, in this time and age who are being persecuted and going through hurt and going through pain. And so he's encouraging them and speaking life into them, but he's also challenging them to be who God's called them to be, to put their faith into action. And so first week we talked about getting through what you're going through. The second week we talked about our faith and action that has to go together. The third week we talked about our mouths. How many people have been watching them out a whole lot more lately? (laughs) I know I have, that's for sure. And this week, we're going to jump into chapter 4, verse 13. It says this, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin For them. We know the word sin means to miss the mark, to miss out on what God has for us and what He's called us to. And James does not pull any punches once again for us in James 4. So, Lord, I pray right now as we look at this word, I pray that we would lean into what you want to speak. I pray, Father God, Lord, I know it's been a hot week. I know it's been a humid week. I know it's been a tough week for some people, but that's not going to get in the way of our response this morning. We're going to push away from our feelings, we're going to push away from the past. And we're going to lean into what you have for us, because we know it's good. We know when you speak, it's good. We know that when your word is open, it produces a harvest, and it produces fruit in our life. So we're going to take it, and we're going to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Who's ready to receive the word today? All right. I'm just helping you. Help me help you. All right. So uh, I've been married now for eight years, and and I'm pretty uh, much—I know what I'm doing now. I'm a professional at it. And (laughs) so— (laughs) and <laughs> people are like, okay, yeah, uh, been married for eight years, and I've been learning a lot when it comes to marriage, and, and I just want to set the record straight, marriage is amazing. <sighs> We're going to start a brand new series about marriage starting next week, because you all need it. You, that, men, that was your job to jump up, like, you better believe it, my wife is hot, come on, that should have been the men's time, but you missed it. <laughs> Marriage is actually amazing. God designed it. It's healthy. It's good. My heart breaks when I see marriages that are hurting and broken. Yes, it takes work, but I want to say something about marriage. Marriage, yes, it's love and it's there, but love you don't fall into like a ditch, right? Love is spelled W-O-R-K. You have to work in order for that marriage to be loving and encouraging. Marriage is designed by God. It's a good thing. One of the biggest false advertisements we can be to people in the world is an unhappy marriage. Because God has something more for us. And if that's in your place today, I'm here to encourage you today. But one thing I found out to have a happy marriage in my life was these words Let me ask my wife first. I saved a whole bunch of your marriages right there. Write that down. Or I'll ask my husband first. Like, I don't even because I know we have different personalities. Me and my wife, as the church grew and as, Things were getting busy, and we had two daughters, and schedules were getting nuts. We, we began to plan things, and we found out that I would plan things like I would have people come over. Like, yeah, we're going to have people come over. We're going to have a barbecue. I'm going to get the grill out. We're going to do this, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and forget to get my wife on those plans, right? And then you find out, like, she's got to clean the house. She's got to do this. I'm like, oh, no, I'll do it. But then she has these different stresses. So one of these things, I'm going to save a lot of marriages here. There's this thing called a family calendar app. You guys should have been looking at your phones right now because that was the moment to save your marriage. So, what I have found out is that when you plan things going on, you can already see if your wife has planned something ahead of time. And it saves you a whole lot of heartache and it saves you a way better weekend than the one you had last weekend. And so, I found out in my times how many people know, like, if you're like me, you have a plan? and you're ready to go, and you're ready to move forward, and then someone comes in and ruins that plan, how awful is that? Where are my atypical people who can't stand when people ruin their plans, right? Like, oh, we don't have very many people. All right, so I know for me, if I have a plan, and that plan gets thwarted just a little bit, I'm like, don't be near me. Like, I'm working on it. Pray for your pastor. It is hard. But one thing I found out with my wife is this happens a lot. And when she says, Sean, we already have plans, I have to bite my tongue and remind myself, Sean, your plan's not the best plan. Sean, your plan's not the best plan. Sean, your plan's not the best plan. How many people know it's hard to sacrifice your plan for a different plan? It's tough. James comes in, and he wants us to know today, God is not your mate, but he is your master. He's not your wife or your husband or maybe you're a kid and you're a student and maybe you have plans but your parents have other plans for you and you know curfew is this time and man, I don't like curfew and your parents are trying to take care of you and they're doing this but your plans don't match up with their plans and so you have that. How many people know that even though we have great parents, God is not our, just our parent, he's our master. See, when you came into this faith and you're a follower of Christ, if you're not, we're glad you're here. But if you say, I'm a follower of Christ, you have now said, God is Lord of my life, which means God is master and ruler of my life, which means if I have plans, He can come in and disrupt my plans and say, I have different plans for you. I knew this wasn't gonna be exciting today because you're like, because this is what James is saying. He's saying, listen, God is not an employee, He's the boss. He's not a student, He's the teacher. And he is not your genie. His name is Jesus that every knee must bow. And when he comes in, you better believe he died for you and he rose again, which means he loves you. So maybe I should sacrifice my plans for God's plans. We use him like a genie and said, God, here are my plans. He says, no, 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 no. I got plans for you. So James comes in and he warns us today. He tells us that you may have all these plans, but our God has plans too. Proverbs sixteen nine says this, we can make our plans but the Lord determines our steps. Now, if you, look like, if you look at God like a genie, you'll look at that and be like, cool. So what's the steps to get that million dollars, God? <laughs> right? Like, what's the steps to get here? And if we're not careful, what we do is we make a plan and we invite God into it. And God's trying to say, hey, how about you invite me into the planning and I'll direct your steps? Because the truth of the matter is, you can have a plan, but I'm going to determine your steps. God wants every step of ours to be determined by him. And the good thing is that should encourage us. That should encourage us. So today's going to mess with us, especially for people like me who don't like other people's plans. Because up until this point, you've had a plan. I've had a plan. Up until this point, you knew where you were going to go, what job you were going to do, maybe who you were going to marry. You knew where you were going after college. Maybe you knew what you were going to do after school. You, You have all these things lined up, and you have a plan. And today might be the day where God steps into this environment and says, I have a different plan. And we have to decide, is he master and is he ruler? We have to decide, if I'm going to call him master, am I going to trust? Now listen, this should be encouraging you. If we truly had a healthy perspective of God, that he loves us and he is good, when God says he has a plan for us, we should be excited about that. Because he's a God who gives good gifts to his children. His promise says, I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. He spoke that to a bunch of people in exile who were actually in bondage. And in the middle of their bondage, he says, I'm not done with you. I got great things through you. Now listen, this may be part of your story, but it's not the end of your story. And God wants you to know today, don't be discouraged. You you should be excited that Sean's preaching this message. Pastor Sean's telling you, sacrifice your plans for God's plans. That should pump you up. But why doesn't it? Why is it hard for us to have plans and then we throw fits when God has other plans? Why is it hard when a God who loves us and cares about us and sees our future, why is it hard to sacrifice our plans for his? Could it be maybe sometimes we think we're smarter than God? Why do we deal with this? But I want to encourage you. My goal today is to encourage you that you can, give this to God's plan. So the end of this message, listen, if you can write this down, the master plan, because here's the truth, your master's plan is the master plan. You may have a plan, but up today, your master's plan is the master plan. It's the plan that's going to get you through. It's the plan that's going to be most fulfilling. It's going to be a plan that is amazing for you. And I'm going to give you three things on why this should excite you. And why this should be encouraging. This is gonna be the most encouraging message you've heard about giving up your plans for someone else's. It's not gonna be easy, but I promise you it's gonna help persuade you to have faith to do it. The first thing is this why should this be exciting? Well, first and foremost, we don't know what happens tomorrow, but God does. This is exciting because I, I said this to you guys, and some of us, if we're right now, James is not saying don't plan. That's not what he's saying here. Some of you actually could use help in planning. Some of you are anxious and stressful because you aren't planning, and that's planning is a good thing. We see it in scripture. He's just saying don't let your plans become out of alignment with God's plans. He's saying go ahead and plan. Just in case some of you're like, "Well, this message isn't for me. I'm spontaneous. I fly by the seat of my pants. I even know what I'm doing after church today." It's awesome. James wants us to know too that if you're honest with yourself, you're still kind of planning even if you're spontaneous. Because these people may plan their schedule full, but you make sure to plan your schedule empty so that you can jump into different things. He's saying you're kind of our, our planning. It's still your plan. But what if God has something else for you? So wherever you are, God wants to speak to all personality types today. And the first thing he wants to say is, we don't know what happens tomorrow, but God does. See, one thing I found out is... Today or tomorrow. I, I do not know, James would say. You say, we're going to go there today. You're going to go there tomorrow. And you're going to make this money. And then you're going to go on. Here's one thing I found out. I don't know what happens tomorrow. If you do, can we hang out after the experience? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happens tomorrow. I, I think we can walk, we can make these plans. And we, Here's one thing that we need to realize. Tomorrow is not promised to anybody. Right? Can we all agree that tomorrow is not promised to anybody? Go so far to say this, James says today or tomorrow. Here's the truth. I don't know what's going to happen after I'm done preaching this message. Heck, I could fall off the stage in five minutes. Like, I don't know what's going to happen today. What gives us the audacity to believe we know what's going to happen tomorrow and in our five-year plan? Planning's not bad. He's just saying, while you plan, maybe you should check in with the planner who knows the forecast. Maybe you should check in with the planner who understands your life. I love this. God knows tomorrow. We don't know it, but God does. God is, there's these big words I'm going to give you. There's three of them. I'm going I'm to mess them. Up. He's omnipresent, omnipotent, which is omnipotent, and he's omniscient, which is omniscience, which means he's all-knowing, he's always present, and he's all-powerful. And God is these things, which means he knows everything. Psalm says it this way you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. He's stalking you. (laughs) He's got the, He said, I see you. What are you doing? I see you. I already knew it. it was in my book, right? Like every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God had plans for you before you had plans for yourself. God had plans for you before your parents had plans for you. God had plans for you before the other people had plans for you. He knew you before you're born. And it said He knew you before you're born, and every day was recorded in His book. Which shows me today if you're in this room and you're breathing and you think you have no point in this earth, you have a purpose. God knows your purpose. He has a plan for your life. You're not a failure, you're not a mistake, and you're not an accident. Every day's been recorded in His book. That's something to be thankful about. He saw you. Man, no one ever sees me. He does. God sees you, and he's the only one that can change it. He's the one that can make effect moves in your life. He sees every single thing in your life. He knew all of your tomorrows before you even stepped in today. He knew all of your tomorrows before you even stepped in today. So what does this mean? Have you ever tried to schedule a birthday party or a wedding or some type of outdoor event? It's stressful. It's stressful. What is the biggest stress about planning an outdoor event? Weather. all the spontaneous people are like, I don't know, I, I dance in the rain. <laughs> I love it. And we all don't like you. Anyway, so we're like, yeah, I'm not dancing, it's my wedding. Like, well You know, it's the weather. I mean, we just planned my daughter's birthday party a couple months out, and it was outside. And not just that, we had a group get-together a couple weeks ago. We grilled out and had a barbecue. Another reason you should get an authentic group, shameless plug, but it's amazing. Pastors cooking burgers for you. And, uh, and so we went outside and we ate. And I remember even up to us, like, is it going to rain? Is this going to happen? It's so much stress not knowing that part of it. I think that's the reason why God wants us to trust him. If we knew everything, we wouldn't trust him. If we knew everything, we wouldn't have faith. But God knows everything. I think, go with me, I think God loves us so much that he will hide the future from us so we'll stay in relationship with him. He's like, you're going to have to stay with me, plan with me, check the calendar, pray, talk, believe. I love you so much. I don't want this relationship to end. So I'm not going to tell you what happens tomorrow, but I promise you if you are in comparison, to me, I know tomorrow. What does this mean? It means that your job loss didn't catch God off guard. It means the breakup, it didn't catch God off guard. Like God didn't see your bad situation right now and go, oh me. That's funny because he's got. Anyway, so He didn't go back and go, oh my gosh, I'm so surprised by this. I I don't know what's going on. Like he never had that moment. He knows everything that happens. He sees the job loss. He saw the broken car before he did. He sees the opportunities and the open doors. He sees the freedom and the breakthrough. He sees the debt-free life that he has for you. He sees it up there. Why? So you'll trust him right here with every step. It is good news that God knows tomorrow. Why? Because if he asks you to do something today, you better believe it's to protect you tomorrow. He sees the forecast. He sees the storms. He sees the lightning. He sees the hurricanes. He sees the tornadoes. He sees the sunny days. And he's saying, if you take steps today, you'll be prepared when that thing comes tomorrow. But we have so many people planning their life, doing their thing. And when it comes, we blame God in the storm. And he said, if you would have planned with me, I could have got you around the storm. I could have got you the tools for the storm. I could have built you an umbrella so the storm wouldn't take you out. I am encouraged by this because I'm going to start planning better with God knowing I can trust him because I don't know tomorrow. But my God does. It's reminded me recently, uh, this this year, so we take our our staff on trips to conferences. And we've done that since we started. We grow. We invest in them. We think it's a great way to do it. And one of them is in Dallas. And so uh, we've been there forever. And this year, coming up into the new year, I was praying and asking God where we needed to go in 2019 if we need to go to conferences and learn. And I swear, I didn't hear his audible voice, but I sensed he led me and said, Sean, you're not going to any conferences. But we already had something planned out, you know? Like, we're going to go to VU conference, and we're going to go to this conference. And we did this in November, and we're planning it out. And in December and January, God's like, you're not going to any. Right, here's the moment where you have to realize, am I going to be about my plan or the master's plan? And I remember, (laughs) I was like, but God, it's in Miami, Miami, like the beach, Miami. I need you, mommy. Anyways, like, where am my Will Smith fan? Anyways, so, Miami, and the everyone's in Texas, and there's friends there, and the speaker's there, and Judah Smith is preaching, and I could learn from all these people. God, like, he said, no, that's not what I have for you right now. And you pull back, say, guys, we're not going anywhere. Sure enough, as we're moving on, up until May comes up. And there's this conference three hours away in Michigan, and it pops up on our radar. And we go, and it wrecks your pastor's life. We took a few of us. God gave me fresh vision there. He healed some wounds there, and he, he gave me a trajectory of where we're headed next in our church. If I would have been going to VU, we would not have been in Michigan. If I would have been going to Miami, we would not have made it to Michigan. Can I tell you that God sees tomorrow and it may be hard to sacrifice your plans, but I got more vision, I got more bravery, I got more courage, I got better things inside of me because I was willing to say, God, your plan. Some of you right now need to realize he's got blessings for you and great things for you. You got to say, this was my plan, but God, your word says this and so I'm gonna line up with your plan. See, right now you're like, Sean, but I don't know the plans and what's going on. Can I tell you that a lot of us have plans that are contrary to what God's word is? Like, we're stepping into things that are actually hurting us. And he's saying, if you could line that up with this. You want to know God's will for your life? Here's the biggest encouragement I can give you. What's God's will for my life? Be about his ways. If you walk in his ways, you will walk in his will. Just walk in his ways. I want God's will, but I want to be a hellion here on earth. Well, you're not going to step in his will if you're still in that predicament. Be about his ways and watch you step into your will and what God has for you. He knows the forecast. Be encouraged today that you can sacrifice your plans because God knows tomorrow. Second thing is this. God isn't wasteful. He's not. Have you noticed this? God's not a wasteful God. He he, he just doesn't waste things. He's good. He's righteous. He's faithful. He used a Lunchable, right, to feed 5,000 people. And then after he told all this, there's probably 100,000 people there because of all the families, actually. That was 5,000 men. And he told all his disciples, pick up all the leftovers. Jesus is concerned about the leftovers. Which means if you've gone through a painful season, which means if you have left yourself hydrated, which means if you feel like you're a leftover, God sees you, He says, collect that. I'm still going to use that as well. Nothing is too far for our God. No season's a wasted season. Come on, 11 o'clock. Let's get excited that God, it doesn't waste. Now, I'm pumped by this. This is like, to me, I'm like, this is so good. I'm ready to let this thing fly. Why? Because I have done some stupid things in my past, and God says, I'm not going to throw it away. Give me it and watch me use it as your testimony. God is not a wasteful God. He doesn't waste. I love this because when we look at this, what does this have to do with planning? Some of us have FOMO. All hands go up. FOMO. Sean, what's FOMO? Sally, what's FOMO? FOMO is, I learned that from a pastor, FOMO. Fear of missing out. God wants you to know you're living your life in FOMO. If you planned with me, you would never have FOMO. You will never miss out on what I have for you. And the things you think you're missing out on are really not you're missing out. That relationship, it wasn't there anyways. The one I have for you, you better be fear about missing that one. He says, I'm not wasteful. I got this thing on lockdown. I don't know if you've noticed this week, but a lot of people have been aging like 60 years overnight. Have you guys noticed this? It's this epidemic happening all throughout the nation, like in other countries. Like literally people look like 15 and they turn like into 60-year-olds overnight. I don't know what's happening. It must be the water. I don't know. But anyways, it's an app. I know. It's, uh, and so I thought I'd have fun with it. I was like, why not? I mean, this is fun. And so I took a picture of your pastor preaching and this is what I look like 60 years from now. <laughs> Everyone says I look like Bill Murray, but uh, it's what it is. And I thought about this this week because I started contemplating this and I was like, You know what? I bet there's a lot of people who might be 40 or 50, maybe you're 30, like me, and maybe you have this one, you see that and it's funny and it's crazy, and it's so fast how it happens, like you'd use an app for two minutes and then you're old. But if we're honest with ourselves, that's kind of how life feels. I was just a young buck with hair. (laughs) Now I look like Bill Murray, right? No offense, Bill, if you're watching this. We love you. Come to Authentic. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? It's a, James says, hey, our life is like a vapor. It's a mist. Some translations say it's like an early morning fog. No, that's not the right translation. An early morning fog sets for a while. He's saying it's like an e-cig. It's like a vape. Whew. Gone. Like, that's what he's saying. Like, you don't look at me like this. Like, a while back, we were in, like, the junior high meeting, and I remember I was preaching once. And while I was preaching, all of a sudden, I used to see this cloud of smoke and I'm here preaching in the experience, and all of a sudden I see another one. <laughs> we had this dude who was actually vaping during the experience, <laughs> and the potty your rises. And I remember that so, welcome to Authentic, right? Like We're glad you're here. He actually started serving. He's in Pennsylvania now, but uh, I thought that was hilarious. And, and the reason I say this is because it's so quick. So quick. Why does James want us to know it's so quick? Because here's the truth. When you find out how much time you have, you're not going to waste it. You seen the bucket list when they found out how much time they had to live they don't want to waste it anymore isn't it crazy that until we have a deadline we just do whatever we want to do but when you make a deadline it's like we got to get this stuff done can i tell you that we have a deadline and god's asking us to build his kingdom on earth and he's asking us to build a legacy that doesn't just go to us it goes to our kids kids and our kids 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 they're here here for such a short time and this is why i'm saying god's not wasteful some people are like, oh my gosh, I have a short time. I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. Listen, breathe. God's not wasteful. So if you're planning with God, he knows you have a quick life, but just because it's a quick life doesn't mean it won't be a fulfilling life. He won't waste any moments. This is why it's so good to plan with God. Oh, I love this message right now. This is so encouraging. This is what it says. I love John ten ten. Jesus says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Which means beyond, excessive, over and above. Does God want to bring us blessing? Yes. Does that financial sometimes? Yes. Is that cars sometimes? Yes. But sometimes God wants to get us things that money can't buy. Some of you have all that money, but you have no joy. And you would say, I would sell my car for in an instant if I could just have a year of peace. How many people are in a place where you realize, I would sell my house right now if I could just get a week of peace? God is saying, when you plan with God, I won't just bless you financially. I won't bless you in provision things. I will give you joy when you need joy. I'll give you peace when you need peace. I'll give you freedom when you need freedom. God wants us to plan with him. Why? Because it's the abundant life. It's the fulfilling life, which means if we're not experiencing the abundant life, it's because we want our plans over God's plans. And we think what we're doing is important and what he wants to do is wasted because sometimes God asks us to do things that seem wasteful but can I tell you if you're in a this is for someone if you're in a waiting season a waiting season isn't a wasteful season a waiting season is preparing you for the blessing season that's coming and he's building you up to get you strong enough to contain it when it comes a waiting season he's not he's even working in the waiting sit back and watch him work he's not a wasteful God abundant life okay Sean do you know me? I'm anything but wasting my life. James says, You're going to go to this place, you're going to work, you're going to make money, and you're going to go here. And he says, But you didn't ask God if that's part of his plan. See, a lot of us will be like, Sean, I know life is quick, I know it's fast, and that's why I've been grinding. I've been working. I'm working on the achievement. I'm working on the success. I'm working on the money and the job and my bank account's getting full and all these things. I'm working hard every day. Grind, 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 grind. A lot of people, when you meet with them, they would say this, I'm just busy, busy, busy. And it's like a badge of honor. But busyness is not God's will. Like Jesus was busy. Yeah, but he took time to rest on the mountain too. He took time to sleep in the boat in the middle of the storm. He took time to turn away from people who needed ministered to because he had to fill his soul. I'm not saying busy's busy. I'm saying if you're so busy that you've allowed to take your plans over God's, you may think your achievement and success is what's building it up. But remember the scripture that says you built your own barns and you stored them, but then you died? And last time I checked, I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. It's good to work hard. Our work is worship. It is good to work. I want you to say, wherever you work at, do it like you're doing unto God. Not your boss. Even if your boss is mishandling you, you act like God's your boss, and you do that job well. Because nothing glorifies God than a great employee. You do that, but work hard. I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm not saying be diligent in these matters. I'm just saying that maybe your plan is to get rich, and you're busy, and your schedules are busy. But what happens is when you leave this life, you'll have a full bank account but bankrupt children. And God said, my legacy was through them. My my legacy was what you were going to do with them. My legacy was what's going to be lasting. You see, we have to change our perspective. We're here a short time, and we should do things that last, not disappear. All right, I'm quitting my job. Hold on. God can use fortune to bless the church and bless people and build his kingdom we don't have no poverty mentality here where it's like, well, you can't work and, oh, look, I have no money. No, no, God uses people with money to advance his kingdom. Women paid for Jesus' ministry. They sold perfume and they sold things and paid. The women, the ladies who ruled the world, like, right, like, the women were paying for Jesus to do these things. And some of you are like, ha, got him, Sean. I'm I'm spontaneous. I'm, working hard. I'm not busy, busy, busy. I just leave my schedule open forever what God wants to do. i got a problem with that. Because James would say, fortune is one thing, but just having fun all the time too is just as selfish as having fortune. Whatever I can do, whatever I want to do, whatever. And he says, sometimes, in order to build something that's lasting, you have to put roots in the ground. It's the C word that no one likes, commitment. I'm committed to be disciplined to read my word. I'm committed to to be disciplined to worship. I'm committed to be here on church on Sundays to serve this house. Can I tell you, those who want to go and do whatever they want to do on Sunday, but you made it here, can I tell you the legacy that you're leaving behind is lasting? Can I tell you that there's people who are here who have been saved, whose kids are here who have been saved, whose kids will someday come and then they'll find Christ? Can I tell you that a whole trajectory of a family was changed because you served someone in the parking lot because they decided to follow Christ? God changed everything like that. A whole family line was changed because of you. Because you said, you know what? I do like to have fun, but on Sunday, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Oh, serve the Lord is not just like, I'm going to come and do my own thing. Serving the Lord is getting your hands dirty. And building something that lasts. Man, I love when people come in and say, man, Sean, I love your church. I'm like, oh. What? Did you just swear at me? What would you say? I love your church. I'm like, oh. The team's laughing because they know what I'm going to say. Like, oh. I'm like, what did you say? I love your church. Stop. It's our church. It's yours too. The problem is a lot of people say your church have no ownership here. Man, I can't lift this thing by myself. This, you know what my job is as a pastor? To equip his people for their works of ministry. I'm here to actually tell you. He talks about serving a lot. Scripture tells me to. <laughs> to get in and do something that lasts. It's, it's not just yours, Sean, it's ours. When it's ours, we take ownership we get involved. How can I help? I want to build a legacy. Man, this place reached my kids. This place reached my wife. This place reached my husband. This place reached me when I was an addict and broken. What can I do to reach the next addict? What can I do to reach the next child? What can I, I want to build something that lasts. I want to spend all my time at the end and go, I didn't affect anybody. I made all this money, but it never went to the kingdom work. I had all this fun, but it never influenced anybody. Culture says fun and fortune, but God's kingdom says fruitfulness and faithfulness. They'll know they're my disciples by their fruits. And well done when we go to heaven. He says, well done, good and famous servant. Well done, good and faithful servants. You've been faithful when it's hard. You've been faithful when you have to switch your plans. You've been faithful in serving the house. You've been faithful in preaching to your kids. Can I tell you, I love your kids. We love your kids so much. We do whatever it takes to train them in Jesus. But nothing is going to touch your life more than one Monday you ask them what they learned at church. Don't leave the church up to your job. Live a lasting time. Busy, busy, busy. I want this to be encouraging to you because God's not going to waste it. And i got to move on because... Not too long ago, me and my girls, we went on a trip. We went on an overnight trip to New Buffalo on the 4th of July. My parents were out there, and so there was an extra hotel room, and me and Liz made plans. We're like, okay, we're going to leave at noon, and we have to, we're going to come back uh, the next day at about 5 or 6. And so it was a quick trip. And I love to see my girls happy. I love for them to experience. I know what makes them happy. I know what they love. And so I had to make sure that as we scheduled this, it was going to be a quick trip. But I wanted to make sure that everything was thought out, that they had tons of fun. So, I mean, I'm talking about when we got to the hotel, before we ate, we know there'd be like an hour and a half time before we ate, right? So, I was like, hey, you know what? There's a pool at the hotel. That's one of their favorite things in life. Is there a pool? Let's play. They call it the fairy tale. That's what they call the motel. Oh, we're going to go to the fairy tale and swim in the magical pool? I'm like, absolutely we are. Let's jump in. And so, we're you are teaching him that witchcraft? Shut up. Anyway, so, <laughs> that was too strong. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just, James, the spirit of James right now. This is, <laughs> Focus, Sean. And so they jump into the pool. I'm like, listen, you're going to swim for 30 minutes, and then you're going to get out. I'm like, oh, okay, I don't want to get out. But I'm like, listen, you're going to love the next place. Why? Because there's going to be pizza there. That's another one of their favorite things. Who loves pizza? I love pizza. And then I was like, hey, we got to hurry up, though. Why? Because ice cream. I mean, come on. Ice cream. ice cream, ice cream for ice cream. Like, Sean, you're extra. Anyways. And then that, and then we went to the where well, we're going to the beach. Yeah, but there's a playground out there. Go play in the playground. Okay, I don't want to play in the playground anymore. Oh, come on, follow us. And we watched the fireworks right over top of us. And they were like, oh my gosh, America. <laughs> and then the next day we went to the beach and then we played. Can I tell you right when we first started, they were kind of saying, Dad, where are we going? Why are we doing this? Dad, where are we going? Where are we going next? But after about the third time they realized I took care of them, they stopped asking what steps to take next. Because they knew their god their father loved them so much that whatever was next it was going to be awesome and god wants you to know today that you got to get to a point where if you begin to follow his leading he may take you into some stuff that's crazy but when you get there you'll stop asking what steps to take because you know wherever god is leading you it's going to be awesome it's going to be fulfilling it's going to be the abundant life god has for you it may not look like it wants to look but this is the same with my girls. They stopped asking. They're like, let's go. Let's do this. Because they realized it was a short trip, but it was a packed trip, and it was fun, and it was exciting. And I'm not saying, fa- I'm not saying fun and fortune is not part of it. Have fun. Man, this should be fun. We have fun here at church. This should- I'm not saying don't have fun. I'm saying the fun aspect of like, I'm not going to do anything with my life. No. God has plans that he doesn't want to waste. Don't have FOMO. God sees where he wants you to go. The last thing is this. When we aren't working with God, we are working against God. James goes on to say at the end of this, he says, Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Now, James is ending uh, James 4. He's finishing up James 4. And the whole chapter of James 4, starting what we just read, but starting in verse 1, is actually an underlining theme of arrogance and pride and about humility. James is talking about going somewhere tomorrow, and he's talking about time and our plans, but underneath the surface of all that, he's actually talking about arrogance and pride. He's saying the pride part is you actually think you know tomorrow better than God, and that's pride. When we plan and say my plan over God's plan, we're saying we know how to fulfill our life more than you do. It's putting ourselves over God. It's pride. James is trying to attack pride in the church. He's trying to attack pride by saying, hey, quit being proud. Quit treating people wrong. Don't forget the grace that saved you is the same grace that's going to save someone else. You're not high and mighty now because God has saved you. You've got stuff that you need to work on. And the more you pride yourself in these things, you're going to miss out on what God has for you. And so he says these are arrogant schemes. It's the theme." In James 4, 6, he says these words. He says, And he gives grace generously, as scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Listen, this is very God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He's, he's quoting Proverbs 3:34, and he's saying, Grace is the unmerited favor of God, which means grace is something we don't deserve. Listen, people say, Well, man, God's not fair. I'm glad. Because if he was fair, I would be in big trouble. But instead, he sent Jesus to die in my place. If he was fair, I would have been on the cross. But because he's loving and he's just, he put Jesus on the cross to pay for my sins because I couldn't do it in my own self. And three days later, Christ rose up so I could live in freedom. That is a good God. He says God opposes the proud, but listen, he gives grace to the humble. When we receive God's grace, it has to come through humility. What is humility? When we pray that prayer, God, I sinned. I made mistakes. I'm ruining my marriage right now. I'm making poor decisions that's affecting everybody around me. I'm doing this. Forgive me. I want a brand new start. That's humility. It's saying, God, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve you on the cross, I don't deserve any of this life. Guys, I don't deserve preaching to you at all. I don't go, well I worked hard to be a preacher. I, I I worked myself up here. No, I didn't. I believe the higher you want to go, the lower you have to get. Every time God wants to take me to a new level, he takes me down first. And he says, you can humble yourself or I can humble you. It's your choice but humility offers God's grace in our life. But he says he opposes the proud. Man, we're really good at blaming the devil for opposing our plans. Man, not today, Satan, right? Not today. Not today. Like, how many people, we got the shirts, we have all Not today, Satan, not today. Man, the, the devil, he's just attacking me. Man, not, not my health today, Satan. I'm like, no, it's your health. You had three Big Macs last night. That's your choice, right? Like, <laughs> Not today. Uh Oh, my my family's coming against me. There's so much drama in the house. Not today, Satan, but you ran your mouth a week ago to all those people that you are causing the flames and the fires. We're so good at blaming Satan. What if maybe, just what James is saying, what if maybe the opposition of our plans isn't the enemy? What if it's God? Because he can't work in prideful plans. He actually opposes them. Man, maybe the opposition isn't Satan. Maybe it's our pride. Maybe the opposition in our marriage isn't that the enemy's battling our marriage. Maybe it's because me as a husband, I can't say I'm sorry. I was wrong. Maybe as a wife, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Man, we are really good at blaming the devil when God's like, it's your pride that's getting in the way of what I have for you James lets us know this and in Proverbs it says pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall see I'm bringing this to you today because maybe it self-reflects like Sean what is pride pride is wanting to say my abilities and my choices are better than God's choices and sin's like a pride thing. It's saying, you know what, I want this more than I want this because I believe this is better for my life than what God has for my life. And we all wrestle with this. We all have an ounce of pride in us. It's not just walking around like this all the time. Sometimes pride is just someone who says, I want this and God wants that. And then we got the humility pride too where it's like, oh, I'm just so humbled, right? Like we have these people who post pictures of like where they are. Like I'm just so humbled to meet this person, this famous person. Like humble brag, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, And God's saying, He opposes the proud, but the reason why is because he doesn't want destruction to come our way. What if the destruction of our marriage is because of our pride? We don't want to get help. What if the destruction of my relationships is because of pride? We think they're always wrong and we never make any mistakes. What do you think the destruction of churches is our pride? Because we don't want people who are just finding the truth of Jesus Christ to give them time to change because we think we have it all together. What if the destruction is actually from pride, not from the enemy at all? Can I tell you, maybe stop fighting Satan this week. He's already been defeated. His work's done. He will come against you, but no weapon formed against you will prosper. What you need to battle this week and what I need to battle this week is our pride. The enemy in me is pride. We need to fight it off. We need to get rid of that thing. Why? So that we can step into everything God has for us. I'm attacking pride right now. I'm up in all of our business today. We have to say, God, if there is some pride in me, I need to drop it because the destruction in my life is actually not coming from the devil. It's coming from my pride. It's so good, Kathy Rowan, because some of us are looking. I'm looking for that word. This is your word. It's time to drop the pride. I love this because I was watching Master Chef this week, and I love Master Chef. I cried during Master Chef. I love Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> Don't judge me. I was watching in season ten. There's this guy who's an amazing cook. He should have won it. He should win it. Amazing. And uh, he got booted. He got kicked off. And this guy is incredible, but no one really likes him because he was cooking. And as he was cooking this pork chop, Gordon Ramsay and the other cooks show up and say, well, what are you making? And he goes, hey, I would encourage you to use this pan instead. He goes, oh, no, this is how I've always made it. (laughs) To Gordon Ramsay. He's like, no, I would encourage you to do this. He's like, no, I've done this all the time. This is what actually got me into this competition, so I'm thinking I'm going to do it this way. And we laugh. But when God shows up and we're cooking on our own plan, and he says, hey, I would really use that instead of this. No, I got this. I got him this this way. Oh, we're not talking to Gordon Ramsay anymore. We're talking to God, our master. Hindsight. Can I tell you that guy went home? Listen, not because he wasn't a good cook. Gordon said, this guy is amazing. He said, we're sending you home because you're not teachable. Because if you're not teachable, you can't move forward. And the longer you're in church and the pastor's giving you words and you're not teachable, maybe your squad director or the people who are over above you that God's put in authority above you, they come and correct you, and you talk bad about them and you come against them. He's saying that's pride, and pride comes before the fall. People don't get booed out because they're not good at something. They get booed out because they think they're the best. Pride comes before destruction. I want to encourage that. I don't want that for your life. Worship team, come on up. I don't want that for your life. And so James ends with this. He says in verse 17, the last thing after saying all this, he says, now, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. Sin means misses the mark. Sin, the wages of sin is death. Do you know how powerful sin is? Can I tell you how powerful sin is? It killed Jesus. For us. He says, when we know what we're supposed to do and we don't do it, it's a sin for them. So here's my question for you now. Now you know. If anyone knows, now you know. James is saying, now you know what it means to plan with God. Now you know what it means that he has your back. Now you know what it means to not live in pride. Now you know, now you need to live it out. Every week you should tell yourself, now you know. How many people wish they just didn't know, know some things, right? Ignorance is bliss. But now that we know, God's saying, will you walk this out? And when it's hard to walk out, remind yourself God sees the forecast. He doesn't waste anything. And I don't want to be working against God. He's for you, and he loves you, and he cares about you. So, now what do we do? Here's your question What plan does God have for you that you keep pushing off? Talking to myself too. And what plan are you holding on to that God is trying to redirect? Sean, I don't know how to hear God's voice. Just talk. God, is this what you want me to do? And I pray this prayer all the time, and it's helped me a lot. God, open the doors that you want to open, close the doors that you want to close. I'm a firm believer in just moving forward don't stop. Just keep going. I'm like the one that's like, woo! And I like smack my face off a door. And I'm like, see ya God. <laughs> right? Like, got that one loud and clear. And I'm like, woo! Boom! Like, right? All right. And then finally there's a time where it's like, I think I'm supposed to start a church in Pontiac, Illinois. Yeah. Woo! And I'm still running, guys. I haven't hit the door yet, but here's the truth. Here's the truth. Every day I say, God, the, the Sikh Nights, God, the El Paso location. God, the staff hire. God, are these your plans? This message, is this your plan? Our church, is this your plan? So today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to put these things in front of God. I hope you're encouraged today to start planning with God. That you understand that he sees you, he loves you, he's got great things for you, but you're going to have to work this message. MMA, Monday morning application. Start looking at your plans and inviting God into them. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name for your spirit in this place. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for being here with us. Lord, we're so grateful, Father God, for what you're doing in our worship, what you're doing, Father God, in our message. I thank you for James writing these words to encourage us, Father God, that while we plan, that we plan with you because you don't want us to be destroyed. You don't want us, Father God, to hit just closed doors all the time. You want us to live health lives. You want us to live prosperous lives. You want us to live, uh, man, peaceful lives and joy-filled lives. And we know we live in a fallen world, but even in a fallen world, Lord, you want to shine through So let our plans look like yours. We want to build something that lasts, Lord. We want to serve something that lasts. We want to build something that goes forward to our kids' kids. So I pray for everyone in here who is resting in their hearts right now, your Holy Spirit speaking to them. And you're saying, here's some things that you need to change. Here's some things that are my plans. for You're speaking right now. I see it. I sense it. You're speaking right now. And right now I pray that they would see that you're for them, that you have plans to prosper them. And as they take those plans, I pray that they would walk those things out. And that they would see the abundant life you've promised for them in Jesus' name. Amen. With eyes staying closed, maybe you said, Sean, I want to plan with God, but I don't have a relationship with God. What do I need to do to start a relationship with God? It says that you need to put your faith in Christ. It says to believe that he died for your sin. Humble yourself. Say, God, I sin, but Jesus died for it. And in that moment, the sin that separates you, it says that God gets rid of the sin in your life. He makes you a brand new creation. The old's gone, the new has come, and you can start a brand new life with Christ. All you have to do is pray with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God. So we're going to do that right now as a church. And if you need to make that decision, I want you to jump in with us as we pray out loud. But mean it with everything you have. So everyone in here, help those around you. Say, Father. Thank you. We're sending Jesus to die in my place. That was the plan all along. Forgive me for my sin. I don't deserve your grace, but that's what makes it grace. So I receive your grace and I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.